The game changed, I'm here to restore order New school or old school, I'm here to connect the border Real hip-hop is just trying to bring that feeling back I'm a fan of the culture, so for real I be missing that When you had to really rap, when you said you could spit a rap Trash, you get nothing, if you hot, then you get adapted Bronx the birthplace of the legendary genre August 11 is the date, really you should honor Important date, if you don't know about it, it's a problem It happens to be the date that hip-hop was started Careless one said bring it to the Safer, Gucci rap, taking the war, that was fire. Rock him, I ain't no joke. Was on the lineup, Jada and they dog. No doubt, this your boy, the Joker, the Overlook MC. We here, back in full effect, right here on another episode of the Underground Lounge, on the Underground Lounge, on the the Even Rush Network. You know, I gotta get, I gotta get my networks right, y'all, because I'm on a different platform. But on Fridays, it's the Even Rush Network. Live and direct right here on the Boom Bap podcast for making it do what it do that we do every Friday. Uh, uh, make it do what it do, and I appreciate everybody tuned in. And uh, anybody that's tuned in, make sure you go ahead and share right now and uh, make it do what it do. We got my man right here, uh, you know, Justin Newman is in the building, you know, what I'm saying, checking out the platform. You know, make sure you continue to share this, you know what I mean? Uh, he's doing this thing out there in Australia doing what it do man we appreciate you tuning in every single time i'm on good support right there and all that man we're gonna continue doing what we're doing you know don't forget to all my local people that's around the west new york area uh to tune in to buffalo on the 716 music awards it's not things going on i got a couple people uh locked in on my other platform and all that so make sure y'all continue to follow what i got going on right now so definitely uh, do what it do. Yeah, I appreciate you, Just Newman, from sharing and making it do what it do. And I'm um, saying, I, I, all the love has just been amazing coming into the new year and since I started the Boom Back platform of the podcast. The Underground Lounge relaunched it, with, you know, with Everyone's Network. So we appreciate everybody tuned in right now. Right now, we got a, an amazing guest on the show. You know what I mean? Definitely doing this thing, an amazing producer. Uh, beat maker, uh, he making it do what he do. He got some heavy uh, uh, placements in the game. Um, he definitely be doing it. That y'all been seeing the, the 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 content posting up and all that. And he's definitely been doing this thing. He, you know what I mean? I, I just met the brother and uh, he real cool. Uh, he's definitely all about his business. And we gonna definitely introduce y'all to the legendary kid called Quest. Yo, what up? Building. What's going, What's going on, on man? With you? Man, man. Been, been busy, big dog. I see you been busy. Yeah, man. Just working and keeping it going. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Let let people know a little bit about Kid Car Quest. Let them know a little bit about you, a little background, a little mic check. Yeah, um, I grew up half of my life, spent half of my life out in a um, little suburb outside of Rochester, New York called Webster. Right. Webster, New York. Um, my older brother, he was a DJ. Well, he still is a DJ. I said, what? My older brother was DJing, and he used to always put me on the new music from different artists and all that. Um, he came up under a well-known DJ from Rochester, New York, who had a radio show on the college station named DJ Chris G, straight from the That's underground. My yeah, so my brother, um, you know, he's doing, he's, Chris G was schooling him and all that. Yeah. On, um, 
doing the shows and all that, and I was putting my brother on the music, and my brother put me on the music, or I get a Chris G mixtape straight from the underground mixtape, and discover new artists off of that. Mm. So you know that's how it all started with me with the hip. I'm um, getting into hip hop okay. through those mixtapes and all those songs and the artists that my brothers put me on to. And then you know eventually later on, I started making music. Mm. So uh, you know. Like I always tell everybody, every time I tell the story, people always ask, like, how did, where's the first piece of equipment you ever messed with? Um, it was an um, old Casio keyboard that my brother had sitting in the basement. And I remember Ooh. the day like it was yesterday because we was in the middle of our our, our, our final exams in school and I, I cut, I cut, I skipped one of those tests. Right. And I went home because I was like, man, I ain't going to it's just boring. So I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm going home. So the crazy part was my mother was still home but she wore nights. Working night, so I knew I had to keep myself out of sight until at least three o'clock. So yeah, I was in the basement and the keyboard was sitting there. Got bored, started pressing the keyboard, and I learned how to set patterns and all kind of stuff on there. I learned sequencing, but I didn't know how to count bars or nothing yet. But from there, that's where everything started at. Messing with a Casio keyboard. And wow. then, you know, eventually later on, you know, I moved up to some better equipment. And then I, right after high school, after I graduated, I put together my first instrumental tape, which was called J-Quest vs. Knife Wonder. Okay. Something that, you know, it was something different. It was originally my brother idea. Because at the time, you know, the up-and-coming producer that was buzzing was Knife Wonder and Kanye West. And right. I was going to originally do something with him versus Kanye West, but he kind of slept on the idea. So I right. was like, shoot, I'm about to, I'm going to roll with an idea like that. I'm going to do somebody different. And I did the knife on the joint. I had no plans for pushing it like that. It was just yeah. something to put together because, you know, I was excited at the time. Like, yo, I'm putting together my own little project. And before I knew it, it took off. Right. It got right. everywhere. Like, I wasn't expecting mm. it to get to the hands of the people that it got into. And I had so many beat requests and all that. And it was just crazy because oh, no. I couldn't keep up with all the requests because, People was hitting me for beats left and right. Yeah. And I had more requests for beats than I actually had in my archive at the time. Right. So yeah, you gotta, yeah, you got to step it up a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah, man. What, what, what year was that? That would have been November 2005. Okay. okay. Yeah, November 2005. Because I remember back then, it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy putting it together because I remember I had a little track recorder. I had a little track recorder and it ended up deleting half of the beat tape. Wow. So I lost half of it and then I didn't actually have a CD burner at the time. So I was putting everything on the MP. Right, right, right. MP. And then um, laying it back down to the track recorder and then trying to get to the, um, I forgot what it was, the cassette player. It was something that I had a cassette. I was trying to line everything okay. up on that. but. Luckily, you know, my man N.O., um, he had a, um, he had just got a Sony CD burner, so I was able to dub everything onto that CD burner, and then right there, you know, the rest was history. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. Was, the, was that Casio, was that a Casio 1800? No, nah, this was a, I, I can't remember the name of it. Was It was gray? It was a gray drink with yellow drum pads on it. Okay, okay, yeah, it might it might have been something different because I know I had a Casio similar like what you had, but you can program beats and you can delete 
everything that they had on there, you could record on all them pads. Yup. And then you had to, you had to, you had to, you know, you had the uh, uh, the breakdown, you had the regular beat, then you had the little fill-ins and all that. And you could actually, you know, create your production on each channel. Yeah. Because you had to double, you had to hit the two buttons to, to delete them, and then you had to double just to get to the sound. And then you got to go through all the sounds. Yeah, you got to go through all the sounds. <laughs> yeah, yo, know, I like it's crazy. I like I, every time I talk about that time, man, that was a real fun time. Yeah. Like learning and coming up, cause like I was always I was always telling people too, cause you know I was, was kind of like a little knucklehead back in middle school. Right. So I was always telling people like if I knew I was gonna take music serious, I never would have gave our music teacher a hard time. Right. Right. I, right. Tell, like, now that I think about it and I look back at it, it's like damn, if I'd have got cool with the music teacher. I could have been getting free piano lessons, all kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, when, on my music class, they had a little Yamaha sampler um, that I used to play with all the time, and I knew it could do something because I was like, "Man, if it, if you know, if I can figure out how to set this up to this equipment to that equipment," and I was trying to figure out, but my music teacher didn't know how to connect everything. So when I see my boy go uh, Eric Golden in Lackawanna, he had one, and I seen what he was doing. So I used to go back to school and do the same thing, connected to the to the. Uh, and I told the teacher, I said I need to connect this to the double cassette tech. And then I had and I took the door off, and she thought I broke it. I said no, I come back going. I come on, come on like this. I didn't break it. She thought I broke it because I had to go in and push the little the little spring to make the. The cassette they go real fast, so I can catch the sample. You know what I mean? So it can be nice and clear. It won't be muffled. You know what I mean? So that's what I did, and I did that, and um, then I figured out how to sample. That was like the first sampler I worked with. You know what I mean? Because I see my man Eric Golden doing, it, and he taught me how to do it. I was wondering how you get the tape set to go real fast and catch it, and why you do that. And he told me why. He said because if you sample it regular time, it's gonna be muffled. It's gonna sound muffled. It's gonna sound they gonna be clear. It's gonna sound like you know, like you got a like you have a uh, album cutting it real slow, like that. You know what I mean? So you have to speed everything up. So when you can hit the pad, you hit that third pad. That's gonna be the actual sample, and it's hit it's right on time. And then uh, that's how I learned how to make beats for the first time. But I never got a chance to really arrange a beat until years down the line when you know when Fruit of Loose came and all that. But but um, I mean, EG was, was using that like that. You you remember that Yamaha joint? That Yamaha I, sampler? The one that I had, I, I just recently got that long ago started. Um, I remember the Yamaha SU700 and yeah. the SU7000s. So I remember those right. like before I was ever, before I ever seen an MPC, I used to see those all the time. Cause yeah. in the, the little town that was, that, uh, that was staying in outside the city of Rochester, they had a music store that had all this equipment in there. But they never carried a Kai product, so I ain't know not too much about a Kai. Yeah. But they always had the Yamaha joints and the Boss and the Rolling joints. Yeah. And I, I never actually got a chance to play with the Yamaha joints. The only one that I got a chance to play with was the Yamaha DJ X, right. which was the keyboard. And I, and I eventually got a DJ X two later on down the road. I say about about a year, about a year or two later after yeah. um, messing with the Casio joint. And um, it was crazy because the sounds on it was a whole lot different. Like the right. drum sound they reel around there, 
So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, I got these drums, them, those drums, the hi-hats. Then I had this little button on it that I ain't know nothing about at the time. It said sampler. Yeah, yeah, so, right, right, right. I was always, like I said, I was always playing melodies out myself and everything. And I learned sampling by accident. Mm. I remember I had my little Radio Shack five disc changes CD thing. I had cannabis CD in one of them. And it was playing. The CD was playing. I didn't know it. And I had to, I always had to, what's called hooked up from the keyboard to the um, radio. So it come out the yeah. speakers, but I hooked it up backwards by accident this time. I had one chord going in from the out into the end of the stereo and the other one from the, from right. the out into the end of the keyboard. Mm. And I accidentally hit the sampler button. It was, it was, beep, it was blinking red. So I right. know that went, man. But at the beginning, the, the cannabis song, it was a song I honor you. It picked yeah. up six seconds of the guitar riff in the beginning. Wow. wow. So as I'm sitting there pressing the keys, I'm hearing the song. So right. I'm thinking my CD's skipping. I'm like, what the hell? Right. Every time I press the key, I'm hearing the song. But I'm like, why is it going up and down? It's skipping. I think my CD messed up. And, you know, back, you know, when we stayed out there, it was, it was I had to cherish my CDs because it was yeah. hard getting back and forth to the music stores and all that, especially right. staying out that, that that far out. Yeah, right. So it took me a minute to realize what happened. And then once I caught on, I seen that the CD split was still spinning. And I'm looking at the keyboard, so I'm sitting there pressing it. And then one, it, it clicked on me. It hit me. Because, you know, I started to study producer sounds, too, at that time. So right. I noticed that Swiss Beats had a certain sound. That was the stuff that I was... I was always trying to mimic at the time, Swiss right. beat and, uh, and some Timberland stuff, right. and uh, some beats by the pound stuff. Right. So then I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and I notice I'm like, you know what? I think I kind of found the DJ Premier and the Buckwell um, sound. Right. So I'm right. sitting there making melodies with another sound, and then I'm like, hold up. So I asked my older brother, like, yo, what is this? He's like, oh, you just sample. So I'm still lost, like sample. Like, yeah, you chopping up samples because I'm playing the melodies out, and the samples are actually chopped up because people was laughing at me at the time. Because I'm like, yo, I'm actually playing stuff out with another song, another song, but right. it's me rearranging it and playing it mm-hmm. my way, right? Right? So then my brother is telling me, like, yeah, man, he's like, you know what, be a hot loop. He said, you need to loop that. Um, who was that, man? Um, the cool in the gang. <laughs> I can't think of the name of the song. He's like, you need to loop that. That'd be a dope loop. The Summertime yeah. Madness, I believe. Yeah, okay, okay. I know you're talking about. Classic. He said loop. I'm like, what the hell is a loop? I uh, said, I don't know how to loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He broke it down to you. What was the loop in? He said, just make it repeat. Make it repeat. So I'm still trying to feel like, repeat? Okay, we'll make what repeat? So I'm sitting there. He's like, how you know how to chop up a sample but can't loop? So I'm looking at him like, what you mean? I'm like, I'm lost. Yeah, right, right. The loop right, is supposed right. to be the first thing you do before you learn to chop. Yeah, right. So I learned like I learned it all backwards. I learned how to chop up first before oh, I actually yeah. learned how to loop. And I remember right. the actual first joint that I actually was able to loop. It took me mad long because I couldn't get loops out for nothing. Like mm-hmm. my loops will always be off. And it was a Michael wow. Jackson sample that I had picked up. It was a, I sampled it off of the CD and I finally got it to loop and repeat over and over. And that's what right. oh, this what he meant. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, it's time now for you to move up to your drums. So I eventually moved up some, to some more equipment. I got a Yamaha 
Nonaniyama Accord ES1, an electronic okay. sampler. Okay. It was a spot called House of Guitars, the dude that was working there at the time. He kind of, he, he talked me into getting it. Because my man Divine, he was actually teaching me the MPC 2000. Okay, okay. <coughs> I'm kind of skipping yeah, the story. That, yeah, that was that, that was that that was that NPC that came out because yeah, I've got the first NPC, but I know that was one of the top NPCs everybody was using at that time. Yeah, he had the original yeah. 2000 with the flat screen, and I remember because he's like he because he he showed me like he had that in the S950. I never right. got to really mess with the S950. I was just glued to that MP, and right. the way that the sequencer was on it, like everything was just straight laid out. He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, man. He said, yeah, you can sample. I remember, all I remember him, like, to this day, to this day, because it always stuck in my head. He's like, yeah, God. He's like, yo, when you do this, he said, yo, all you got, he said, yo, God, don't let the buttons intimidate you. It's just shift. You just hit shift, sample, shift program. That's what I kept remembering. Shift right. and whatever I wanted it to do. And I remember I, I flipped a stylistic sample on it and he had mad drums. I'm sitting just playing the drums out, but I was just stuck on the sequencer because everything played on track right and it changed right. my whole life of making beats i'm like yo i gotta get me one of these and then right, my brother right. he, he ended up getting a 2000 xl probably like i want to say about a few months later after that as my right. man divine was showing me the on um, 2000 so right. he was trying he was in the process of learning the um the 2000 xl and you know i was already learning the 2000 so they kind of were the same Operate right. the same, yeah. but that right. Excel right. had a couple new functions on it, auto chop, you know the on um, the zones and all that. But yep. every time yep. my brother leave the crib, I sneak down the basement and I start messing with the two thousand. Like yo, I start studying other producers. Like I get an alchemist, some that alchemist produced, and I be like right. yo, I wonder how he got that break to play in the middle of that beat like that. So I'll be sitting there messing with the bars and all that on there, and yeah. you know I started catching on everything, and then I wanted to move up even more. So at the time, the top producers that had the illest bass lines at that time well, well, there was three of them. it was jay diller knots right. and ayatollah right right and i wanted to mimic those bass lines but well, i was trying to feel like how's they getting them the basses to sound like that right right, I'm, right. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking these dudes are sampling these off of records but not knowing that the midi and keyboards and everything up and playing them so right. i didn't get to the midi part probably like two three years later after that and that's yeah. right when I was in, uh, I want to say, when I turned, that was probably when I was about 17. Because I remember, I remember I just wanted a 2000 XL so bad. So yeah. I'm like, man, I'm about to go get me a job. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was applying everywhere. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm getting this. Because like yeah. most kids out there, like, you know, staying out there in the suburbs and all that. Most kids during that time, when they turn 16, they's getting jobs to buy cars. I'm like, right. man, buy me an NPC. That's it. Oh, so I remember, it. man. Like I got a job at McDonald's, and I remember I was just busting out mad out five for like five fifteen an hour. I'm just in there busting mad hours. I go in there early in the morning, mm -hmm. hours. I probably get there about six in the morning, and probably won't leave about six at night. Just sneaking in mad hours, going yeah. over labor law and all that. They used yeah. To me about that. I remember I almost got fired a couple times for working too much. Yeah. But I was like, yo, I'm about to get this MP. I like, I don't care if I get fired. I said, I'm about to get this bread up. I'm getting this MPC two thousand. Right, and, you know, right. got it and once we end up moving back into the inner city it was even more better because now instead of me being able to get records every every couple months right now i'm in the inner city where we got 
the city buses, the access to everywhere, more better yeah. and more easier. So now I'm hitting up spots like the Record Archive. You say, you say in a city, that means you you got into, into Rochester. Yup. Okay. In the city of Rochester, so it's more easy for me to navigate around. So I can hit up like three different music stores in the same day. Right. And just play digging and go back to the crib, bang out mm -hmm. beats. And, man, we was just having fun with it back then. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I can tell you've been doing it for a while because you, because you definitely finesse. Especially when you did that those small little video content, you know, where you broke everything down. I say because I know it took me a minute to even figure out certain things, and then I, like I said, I started making beats on the on the on the Casio too. Um, it was a Casio. It was like a, it was the A sixteen hundred. Eighteen hundred came with a disc. I had the Casio where it didn't have the disc. I think it was the sixteen hundred, and but I, I had a mini MP3, mini disc, and I plugged into you know on the, on the headphones, and you could I could dump the beats on there and record. So I, I had me a little mini disc. So I had the mini disc, and I go in the studio because in the studio we was going to record at. He had a a a a, a, a he didn't have a small one. He had the big, the big one. When you slide them in, he had everything hooked up. So I, I could have the engineer grab the beat, EQ them for me, and then I could record. I go in the studio. So that was the upper hand that I had when I was starting making beats at the time. But then I got to the point to where, because I was an MC first, so it's like the passion of the beats. I was hearing other people beats and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to cop nobody's style. I don't want to, I'd rather just go to them. But, you know, then once I talk to other people getting beats, I stopped making beats, yeah. you know, but I did, I did for fun. Cause I, I had a DJ at the time. Shout out to my man, DJ Tom. Um, you know, he's from Brooklyn. He grew up with Jay-Z and the Marcy project. They best with good friends, uh, childhood friends. And, um, so he started playing around with it, the keyboard and stuff, started making beats, but I never got a chance use one of them joints because he had some he was he was real good at it as him being a dj you know because most djs could make pretty good beats most djs could figure it out yeah they got the ear yeah they got the ear for it and plus they you know they are they know about the, the beats per minutes and stuff like that from them blending and cutting and stuff like that so he really caught on real quick i didn't really have to show him nothing i just i just showed him the basics you know what i mean so that's why i understand what you're coming from for me being on both sides of the fence of, the, of, 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 of this creativity, you know what I mean? As me being an MC, because I wanted to focus on the rhyme and get somebody else to make the beats. Because uh, I was real, I was clever at that time, you know, being young with a young mind, you know what I mean? Now I'm older, I, you know, I, you know, memory be gone, you know what I mean? But back then I was on my toes on everything, you know what I mean? So I, I could hold a lot of information at that time, you know what I mean? And I was making beats. And all that, but um, yeah, man, um, let yeah, everybody know. Room. Yeah, I mean, we used to rap because we used to do a little. We had a little little yeah. crew. We used to rap and stuff too, but we was always rapping over instrumentals. Right. And like I said that my brother being a DJ, but the good thing was I had access to all these underground instrumentals that very few, few people heard. But you know, like I was saying, after a while, I got tired of doing that. Like, yeah, I want to, I want to start focusing more on this on, the, on these beats and get better at it so i have my own production and all that right 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 and that's what i wanted to do but wearing all them hats rolled me down man so i was like let me just separate myself from it and uh maybe down the line of my life i'll probably go back into it like, like like right now like i'm still rhyming now but i might be in the in in the in the in the in the 
market space right now to even try to do beef now. No, I'm do, I'm into radio and podcast, so um, I, I have the ear for it all. So I know what what sound I want. Um, being being in this being a hip hop head, um, you know what I mean. That's why I I, I gravitate on people like you, Stu Bangers. You know what I mean. Uh, uh, Stand a man. You know, it's so many other producers that I look up to. I mean, man, Fetty, he did the whole the uh, Wu Injection album. Uh, you know, hearing them sounds and hearing uh, Danglinger from Griselda. You know, them sounds they be using in the heavy bass, the heavy kick. You know that. You know, what was your what was your uh, first sounds you always used to mess with? What was your favorite sounds when you first when you was on that Casio? You was making beats. What was your favorite? You remember? My favorite song when I was using that caster during that time because it was trying to mimic Swiss would have been them horn sounds. Yeah, yeah. Those uh those live the live uh the live what'd you call them uh on the field? Live piano. No, not the piano, uh the live drum, the live snares, uh yeah, the bring it was that the thing that Cannon was doing fans cross that crossing my mind. The um the band the heavy band drums yeah yeah the heavy mascot drums and the hi hats the shakers yeah. and all yeah and, and I probably say playing like just playing with the synthesizers during that time you know you know I used to like I like the, the bongos I use the bongos as my as my as my snare sometimes. The bongos yeah yeah with with the heavy with the heavy eight oh eight oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's what I used to do I used to do that then I used to I used to I used to filter the eight away i should filter it one time because you know in this case you can filter them down you can filter, you can filter them low and then i should put like a a, a a clean sharp kick on top of it to give it that sound yeah that's what i that's what i used to do yeah that was my favorite sound yeah it was yeah. so many it was so many it was so many songs on that casio and then moving from that to that yamaha djx2 which right. had triple the sounds and they sound the sounds on the sound is so crispy. It's like, dang. Right, right. I remember my woman when he had got the Triton back then. Yeah, the Triton. Okay, well, now, thinking of the old school keyboard, have you ever worked with the ASR-10? I worked with that probably once or twice. Matter of fact, ASR-10. no, 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 no. <clears throat> the ASR-10, I worked with that. I never I never mastered it. Yeah. But I met yeah, probably about a few times. I met, my man Eno had got one. He had caught one dirt cheap from the spot called Daddy Junkie Music. They used to okay. be up. He had came up on one fly. I think it was like three seventy five or something like that. Yeah, like that. Right. And we was we was playing with it, and I kind of I kind of learned it a little bit. But it was it was limited though because he ain't have the actual operating disc for it. Right. So right. it was pretty much running it off of MIDI. And he had to start. He had the starter one. The starter. Uh... What they call the starter kick edition, where it'll give you the basics. Like, you know, he couldn't, you had to press, you had to go to different files. Yeah. To get the sound, and you had to do different files to loop. So he had to, he had to, he had the, the starter kick where he could just loop on two channels instead of four. Because I remember I chopped a sample up on it one time, which was crazy because it had, the, the MPC when you had a, a loop and you right. chopped it up because the MPC what we used to do was I was taught was get the loop loop it up perfectly then go back to the zones and chop it up because now everything will be on your chops will be even 
right, you're right, the, right. the master. So, but when you saved it, if you had a four bar loop, you go back to save. It was really like you saving two, like an eight bar loop, because it kind of chops another sound. So, but the ASR, it was crazy because that one four bar loop, once you chopped it up and everything, it still saved it as if it was just one four bar loop. Right, right. And I think that's I a lot of that. stuff about it. Yeah, yeah, starter joint, man. The ASR10 was kind of complicated for me. Um, my man, shout out my man, Cool Chuck. He was on my show a couple weeks ago, and um, he mastered that. Like he, he was quick with it too. He, I even know he was so fast with. It, I didn't know what buttons he was pushing to go through the file to grab this piece of sound, loop it, delete it, record. You mess up again, you gotta do that same thing. I hit three things to get the. He was real quick at it, cause so he won't forget. So he he, he mastered that joint, man. That ASR ten was that was that was definitely um that was definitely hard to use unless somebody had like an eight track. Yeah, I remember people used the eight track for the sounds to make beats and and, and it didn't stack like that. And that's like the that's the old school. I call that the old school Pro Tools. Yeah, you know what I'm before it was digital. That was like a Pro Tools format, you know. But it had the eight track doing it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, ASR, the ASR. So actually, speak. Well, yeah, actually, speaking about the ASR. The crazy thing was, back in my middle school, they had four of those ASR tens in there. Right. Okay. But during that time, like I ain't know too much about it, because every time I was messing with them, it was like the other little cheap keyboards they had. But I remember that when I was just messing with this one. Like, damn, these ones don't got no sound at all. Not right. knowing that, all right, these are samplers and. You gotta load up the disc and all that, and then to get sounds and all that. Because right. I ended up finding out about, I ended up, remember, I ended up learning that those was the ASR tens back there. After seeing uh, was a um, who was it? Was it a DJ Muggs video? Okay. Somebody had he was using that same keyboard that the school had. Because I remember the yellow writing on the top, the ASR ten. Right. I'm like, oh, those are the ones they had the school. And the crazy thing was, my man Louie, this is crazy. My boy Louie. I kind of wish I'd have got this from him too. Yeah. His, yeah. his father had gave him a keyboard, ASR10. I'm looking at it like, oh, those are the shits that they got at school, man. Yeah. Not knowing what it really was during right. that time. Right. So, I never bothered you. I looked at it like it was a piece. Like we looked at it like it was a piece of junk. Yeah, man. Because like, there's no sounds coming out of it. And I think um, Jay Dillard was one of the first ones to remaster that ASR10 in, in Kanye West. That was one of Kanye West's uh, babies, uh, the ASR ticket. I remember on his documentary, he had one. He on his documentary, and he when he did um when he did that um that beat for Luda. That oh was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and he, yeah, yeah, that doing fire. Yeah, no doubt. How many dudes actually using it? Like yeah, Ferrari, yeah, yeah. Timberland, yeah. Alchemist. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, who else, man? Um. Uh, like but I think, just yeah, Timberland had the ASI-10, but then Timberland, he said he used it for, like, um, basic sampling, but he used the, um, for his format, he used it uh, a lot of Triton stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he had the Triton. He had the, 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 um, the Triton, the, 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 third, the third edition, the, the one he did with the uh, stuff he did, the stuff for, um, stuff he did for Aaliyah was off that Triton. Yeah, because I think he was just using the ASR as a sequencer. Yeah, right, 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 right. He had he mediated he mediated up. 
and then he was bouncing back and forth. And, yeah, and that was smart. That was smart. Yeah. That was real smart. He didn't have to really play with one one piece. He had that one piece made for one thing, but that's why his sound was so unique because he was using like three different types of, you know, uh, pieces of drum work that he was using to build the track. And then he had it in the big studio too when he had it, you know what I mean, 64 track. So he had everything on every channel too. So yeah. you know, he, he was blessed on that right there, man. You know, yeah, man, we're going to take a break, and, you know, this commercial break real quick. We got here with my man, Kid Called Quest. We're going to come back on the second half and talk more about some good hip-hop. We're going to talk about what's his top five producers and all that live here on the Underground Lounge on the Even The Rush Network. We appreciate everybody tuned in. We'll be right back. No doubt. Word up. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's your girl, Chrissy, here to let you know that the Even Rush Network now has an app. Yes, an app, you guys. So you can stay connected on the go and watch all your favorite podcast shows. You can download the app at Google Play Store or Apple iTunes. So spread the word. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Also, if you're looking to start a podcast and really don't know how, well, hit us up at the Even Rush Network at gmail.com and inquire about time slots, pricings, and everything you may need to get started. We got you. Join the winning team, the Even Rush Network. And also, download that app. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Get to it. It's underscore little Drizzy says, how do I know my target audience and know what's working and what isn't working? Well, here's how you're going to know your content is working, right? You're going to know your content is working because all your costs per whatever actions are going to be cheap as hell. It's going to be very inexpensive for you to gain followers. It's going to be it's inexpensive for you to get people to leave the platform. And when I say leave the platform, meaning they see you on Instagram and they click the button, your smart link and go to Spotify or they go to another place. What else? Your cost per view is going to be cheap as hell. You know what I'm saying? So any action that you're trying to get as a result of whatever marketing effort you're putting out there is going to be cheap as hell. That's how you know what's working, yo. You know what working feels like. You feel me? Because, yo, people are going to be in your DMs telling you, yo, you got next. Producers are going to be trying to toss you beats, whatever. Your comments, they're going to be in your comment section telling you what the f*** it is. You know what I'm saying? This is how you know it's working. How you know it doesn't work is you're not getting any reaction. You know what I'm saying? You're not getting any reaction. You're not getting any growth. Because here's the thing. With this marketing shit, whatever, I tell people all the time, right? Nobody stays in one place on the internet, yo. I know me. When I like something, whatever, first I'm going to do, I'm going to Shazam that. Once I find the artist, I'm going to hop on Google and do some more research on it. If I really like it, let me look up a music video. You know what I'm saying? Okay, cool. Well, let me go to Spotify and listen to more songs. Let me save some songs. Oh, let me play this record. Let me tell my friends about this, whatever. Or when I'm driving in the car, I'm going to have this record playing on repeat. These are things that are working, whatever. If these are not happening for you, that means your content doesn't work. Who is your target audience, yo? Your target audience is who the f*** you're speaking to. The artists that make it, the artists I've taken to the next level, they know who the f*** they're speaking to, yo. A lot of you guys feel like, you know, Y'all have to like be this versatile super artist that makes music that reaches every single person, or whatever. You know what I mean? That's how you lose. You know what I'm saying? When you aiming at everyone, you don't hit no one. You know, your target audience is literally who you're crafting your message for, or whatever. So as an artist, what you need to do is sit down and define who that one person is. They used to tell me create an avatar, you know what I'm saying? An avatar on, you know, who would specifically buy a certain product, whatever. So you create an invisible person, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It'll probably be like this female, this age, and she might be into this, but might not want to do this, whatever. Might go to these spots, but don't hang out here. So it gives you an identity. You know what I'm saying? That you're crafting this marketing message towards whatever. The Stunner Gambinos of the world, artists like that, whatever, the, the A Boogies, this and that, they know who the hell they're talking to. And then once they 
break through with that, then eventually, you know, they branch out into other things, whatever. But they always talking to their core audience, whatever. So your target audience is literally who you're crapping your message to. It's just most of you guys don't know who the f y'all talking to. Y'all got to figure out who y'all talking to first, and then y'all can make the music that hits that mark and moves the needle for you, you know? No doubt, it's your boy the Joker. We back in the second half, doing what it do. You know what I mean? No doubt. Before we bring my man back up, you know what I'm saying? You know, Kid Call Quest, the legendary producer. You know what I mean? We gonna definitely gonna show love to the Boom Bap platform of the week. The Boom Bap platform of the week is my home girl Jenny from the Beach, FM Radio Hip Hop. Jenny from the Beach. You go ahead and follow her right there on the screen, which is Jenny from the beach and also go to her website and check her out at jennyfromthebeach.net and check out all the platforms she on she on seven different boom back platforms and she definitely plans some amazing stuff she she also plans musical kid called quest who's on the playlist today with l biz so she's definitely in the culture she's representing from florida the kansas city the west coast and uh, california san diego and all that and she's definitely showing love for all you boom back artists that want to get your music play on the platform go ahead and hit her up and follow her on ig right there on the screen which is jenny from the beach and also go to her website and check out all that good stuff she got going on where she'll help you get a fan base and also make it do what it do no doubt we back in full effect don't forget to follow me on ig and also follow our guest kid called quest is back in full effect Yes, sir. No doubt, man. Yo, we're going to get right into the conversation, man. What is your top five producers of all time? My top five producers of all time? Yeah, man. Woo. <laughs> man. Got, number one's got to be high tech. Okay, okay. I forgot about it. They be sleeping on high tech. People sleep on high tech. People, let me tell you something. I'm glad you said that, man. High tech. He formed a lot of good MCs, Talib Kweli, Most Def. Like, yeah, they, they you the first one who ever said hi. People, he the most under uh, uh, overlooked producer of all time. Yeah, a lot like of people. I always felt like people slept on him hard. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stuff yeah, that yeah, he no. was doing was he's like one of the other. He's one of the producers. Another producer, eventually, Hussan. I used to try to mimic. When I was coming up, word. He oh his drums, the drums, the way he chopped Man. the samples, the way he played the keys over the chop samples, yeah. the sound quality, like sonically, he had he was uh, he was ahead of his time sonically. Yeah, he was, he was. That was that was high tech. Was the was almost like a Jay Dilla almost man. Like they they you know say they even did some projects together. But yeah, it's, it's, that's that's cool, man. You said high tech, man. It was number two. Number two, I'm gonna have to probably go with. Whew. Number two, I think I'm gonna have to go with Buck Wild. Buck Wild, yes, okay. Buck Wild always had them crazy drums. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He always had some samples. Yeah, yeah. Buck Wild, another one, another, another one that don't get no credit the way it need to be. Yeah, you. Yeah, no doubt. What's number three? Number three, I'm gonna have to go with Ayatollah. Okay. I okay. always felt like people, 
Well, I ain't gonna say people slept on him, but I always felt like Ayatollah never got his his just due the way he should have been. Yeah, he gets his flowers. Yeah, yeah, he never got his flowers how he should have been. Cause bad, he was another producer that that inspired and motivated me back in the early two thousands. I said like around 03, 04. Yeah. yeah, like he was flipping the way he was flipping samples. Yeah, like it was ridiculous. Yeah, he did some. He did some production for Common's album too, man. I remember that. He did a couple of joints for Common joint, man. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah, he has some good jazzy joints for for Common. But uh, what 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 um the Common what the, what's the what album Common was on the um oh man um that would have been uh, right before he got signed up right before he got signed with uh with Good Music he that, that album um uh, he did he did uh, he did uh, a couple tracks for that album. The, the feature that, that that got Mary J on it. That would have been the um the circle, the electric I can't circle. Remember it. Uh, I can't remember, but I, I can see the cover in, in 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 my in my in my mind though. But yeah, yeah, he, he did like two joints on there, man. That was a pretty good solid album. That's the album that that Common had. Um, he had a, he had Jay Dillon on there too. That because you know what I'm saying we were still. Rest in the peace of Jay Dilla. He had Jay the, the, the intro was Jay Dilla beat, and then the, then the second, then he got Q-Tip on there too. Q-Tip did a track on that album. Uh, 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 Kanye did one track on that album. Um, I believe High Tech did too, and uh, Primo. You got Jay Primo did on there on there too. Like Water for Chocolate. I think it might have been Water for Chocolate. I think it might have been that. Yup. You might hear it on the head, but yeah, no doubt. What's number go four? Listen to his albums now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Classic, man. I mean, he, he inspired me as an MC. Period. The number yeah, three. Number, number four. Oh, number four. Number four. I'm gonna have to give it to. Mm, it's a tight one. It's a tight one. I'm gonna have to go with Primo. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Primo. Yeah, that, 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 that's. Yeah, Primo, that boy. Yeah, his, his catalog is crazy. Yeah, yeah Primo. Primo. I have to go with Primo. Yeah, Primo. What's number five? Number five would definitely be the RZA. Yeah, yeah. See the real? Yeah, RZA changed the game of sounds. He changed the game. He was the, he, I think he was the first one to really uh, take it to the next level. Of chopping beats, he used to chop the sound. He yeah, he chopped the sample. He chopped the sound. RZA had a unique. It's crazy. RZA had a unique sound. Yeah, yeah. Because watching the watching the biopic and how he was to chop those beats up, you know what I mean, and how he was working with limited. Yeah, a, a small limited equipment, but he made it happen. Yeah. And he made it happen. He figured out sound, but then he upgraded sound too when he started sampling orchestra. I know he had the orchestra. And when I watched the, you, did you watch the uh the biopic? Yeah, yeah, he had the orchestra, and he took the samples from the orchestra. Damn, man, come on, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, he, he think paid about for it. Man, think about it. He he kind of started the sample pack game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was like a sample pack right there when he was taking the samples from the orchestra. You know what I mean? He told the dude from Loud Records, 
yo, I want that. I want. I want to hire that officer. He was like, I don't think we had a budget for that. He said, well, we can't. You can't give you the Wu Tang album then. We can't give you the second. You know, it's when it was on the contract. He's like, we can't give you the album. We can't give you what I want. And so they broke the bag and got the officer in there. And they was in there for like a whole week, and he was just sampling different sounds. And that's when he did the um the triumph. He chopped that up from them. You know what I mean? That's crazy. When I heard, when I seen that. That was some genius stuff right there. Because you could never find that sample. You could never find those samples. You can't find it nowhere. And that was authentic. He hired a whole orchestra. Uh, 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 what was it? 32 uh, band orchestra. Coming to the studio. I, I honestly won't be surprised. A few years down the road, he ended up releasing those orchestra samples as a RZA sample pack. Man, it's, it's selling them for arm and leg. Yeah. Some of them as an NFT. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, when I seen that, that that, that really the, the 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 creativity. That I don't think no producer had that creativity like him. Um. Man, I, nobody would nobody block him. He was in his own lane. And, and, and a lot of the rappers, didn't under, even the Wu Tang Clan members, didn't understand him. Like, you know, Raekwon was sitting there like, "What are you doing, man?" He came in like, "What are you doing, son?" And he was like, I man, I'm getting this man. He's like, oh man, you. He was like, man, you, you bullshit. And he walked away. Then when they heard the beat, after a couple, a couple weeks later, they they heard the the, the, the beat. They were like, you did that with the people that was there. He was like, yeah. And Rick Paul was like, yo, you did that. He's like, no. <laughs> I mean, I got so many producers that I listen to, like even like you know those are the top, my top five. Then you know, like I said, I gotta include alchemist if we was to go to the to top 10 i yeah, gotta include alchemist, alchemist because he he was manipulating samples like like it was no i gotta say alchemist is probably like after rizza alchemist is probably like one of the top game changers when it came to sound when it came that, to sound. and don't forget havoc from from mob deep havoc too. yeah yeah havoc, havoc was sampling he was sampling African sound. I seen the doctor, um, little small piece of the, of the documentary coming out of um, Mob Deep, and he had a, he 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 was getting he was getting albums uh, in the crates of African sounds, African music. He was sampling them like the bass lines and stuff like that. Like he was covered the stuff from the Mob Deep jumpers, and I couldn't tell that was African sounds. But he yeah. used it as a pad. He used it as a pad as a, as the actual sound, and then he. Did he mimic his own joint with that same sound? I never knew that was the African sound. Like, yeah, you know, Havoc, another producer Havoc. that a lot of people slept on too. I don't. Uh, he he put out one. He he had a probably like a, a, a couple a two year run, but he was putting out nothing but hot stuff. Yeah, he had like one of the hottest producer compilations of all time. Was Soul Supreme? Yeah, yep. That's another one. That's another one that don't get his flowers in the game of making beats. Yes, you're right. Yeah. That Saturday Night Agenda, mm -hmm. like, that was a game changer right there. Like, a lot of people right. not into that. And, and, and no, no one was making beats, and I didn't know they made beats on Nas, um, uh, Nostradamus' album. They, they, the one person, this group did a beat for him. It was the Brand New Heavies. Oh, shoot. Yeah, brand new heavies did one of Nas's beats on the Nostradamus album. I didn't know they was really, and they did not start seeing more stuff that they was doing for a lot of rappers 
Uh, you know, a lot of rappers use them for samples. I think Primo used them, brand new heavy stuff that came in live. And I believe that um they pre they pre-produced a couple of joints for the roots too. Brand new heavy. You know what I'm saying? With with with, with Quest Love. So brand new heavies, I didn't know they was they was they was they was I'm I, I just knew them as a group and, and doing their thing, but they was actually doing they was actually making beats for other joints. You know what I'm saying? I remember reading the credits when you know you get the CDs and the cassettes, you read the credits. Yeah, I missed One that. of the tracks said brand new heavies produced by brand new heavies with Nas. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Brand new heavies? I'm like, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. The, 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 new, the golden era was different. Yeah, uh, another producer that a lot of people slept on to, producer-wise, and he had a sound out this world. He's actually ahead of his time. Yeah. Carno Official. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I read I read about him in the Source magazine when they used to they used to do the production credit section. They had a big article on him in the Source. Yeah, you know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you had Rockwaller who was just amazing. Like he, yeah, you know, you know, Rock. Yeah, I, I, you know what? See, Rockwaller stepped with his lane with that sound because he did a lot of Method Man, Red Man stuff, uh, MOP beat. He did some MOP stuff. Uh, yeah, he uh, uh some Sean P recipe Sean P. I believe he did some. I think he did a couple of joints on mixtape for Big L too. I know he he really been in his bag. Him and um and don't forget from the legendary recipes DJ K Slate. Yeah, shout out to Rockwater. Very very cool laid back dude, man. Like yeah, real yeah, down to yeah. earth dude. I met him a few times. Yeah, yeah, he definitely uh had a um a unique sound, hardcore, dirty. He kept that. He kept the baseline dirty, and, and and the snares and the kick clean. Yeah, he, yeah, he. Oh man, he had. Yeah, yeah. This place, yeah. man. Sample manipulating samples. He'd be like, "Damn, that was a sample." Yeah, right, right. Rock was going in. Rock, um, like I said, Knotts was another one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I could go on for days for a lot of that. You know, not the producers. How, how, how you how you how you like what's going on right now with the boom bap community how you feel about what's going on now and what's going on now since back in the early 2000s when they said hip-hop was dead and now you see a whole new transition of the sound of the original hip-hop sound do you how you feel about where is that now i mean it's right now i mean it's dope that it's back to the sound mm-hmm how could I say this without sounding? It's back to the sound. I just think that a lot of dudes really gotta. It's not really too much originality. Right, right. You're right. Yep. Yeah, it's not I too did. much original. Like you got dudes that's doing it. Like cause I remember, um, I remember like back when everybody was getting trying to follow the trap lane and all that, mm-hmm. and we were still doing the boom bap stuff. Mm-hmm. People on our sound, the old school sound. Right, right, right. That's then, you know, you got the transition, you know. Shout out to Griselda because they switched it all up. Yeah. They came in with their own sound, then the other dudes came in mimicking what they were yeah. doing. Right, right, people, right. People about that, like, it'd be crazy. Be like, why do you think a lot of these people, a lot of these guys are sounding the same? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is because producers who's coming with their own sound, like how Damager came with his own sound, mm-hmm. came in with the with his own sound. Like although you know Rock, you know and MF Doom and was kind of doing that same thing. Yeah, Damager came in with a more 
grittier, grimier. Yeah, dark. it was real. It was real heavy. It was it was they, real heavy and dark. Safe at night by yourself. Yeah, real Type, heavy and dark. Uh, yeah, man. Came in with that sound, and then a bunch of these other dudes out of nowhere, you know, who were fans of what they was doing, start making the music. and just really started instead of creating their own sound and trying to create right. their own. Language, started mimicking right. everything they was doing, and I don't know. It, I mean, it's like how Rizzo's calling dudes out back in the day. Right, 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 right. Like you have biters, but very few biters had yeah. to come out. You know, remember, the, remember, um, the dudes that was doing the stuff with um Az. Yeah. Like, they, like a lot of people really thought that was Primo and all them doing that. Right. But then right. we found out, and people started, people started calling them and other dudes out. Right. What you know? No. It was. I mean, now I mean. Dudes are just straight, straight to your face with it. like I'm taking your stuff. I mean, it's been going on. Like I mean, Lex Luger. When he came yeah, it's the difference between, you know, they taking the sound, but also I think people are paying homage a little bit, but they just take it too far. Yeah, they go. They don't know when to draw that line. Yeah, right, right, right. I know. I, I, I like when people do certain things to pay homage to a certain sound, like certain things, like you know. Um, but the but the but the original sound, the original Boom Bap sound is that sound with Karis One. Then on the Return of the Boom Bap. He he made he named that album Return of the Boom Bat because that was the underground sound that people didn't know about unless she was in the streets. Yeah. So when he he brought he when he when he came with the Return of the Boom Bap album, he really introduced it to the industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it cares one letting people know that was the original street hip hop sound. Even the time, even the time when the hip, the hop, the hiver came out. They were still using that sound on the underground that people wasn't, you know what I mean? You had the you had the backpackers, and the backpackers was the street walk. Yeah. Even, you know what I mean? even when you think about it too, like when we're talking about the lane of the like producers having that similar sound, like even if you go back to the heavy vocals, remember when everybody's sampling the heavy vocals, like, all right, you mm -hmm. had Kanye, you had Just Blaze, you had Bink, you had um mm -hmm. Beating it up and everything. It sound like the thick months. Yeah, you had the heat make. Yeah, yeah although everybody, I mean, that, that was all. All they sounds was birthed off a of Rizzo sound. Yeah. But the thing with all them dudes when that was that sound back then, when that was that that that, that sound that everybody's going to. Although they all did that same thing with the samples, everybody had their own style. Right. But I think I think um I think Kanye broke that sound with the speed up. Both. Yeah, he he kind of yeah. he, he was the first one to really put the mark on it. I think he yeah. really put the stamp on it. But you know what I mean? You know, it's the same thing with the snap snap beats. You know what I mean? The franchise voice producer, uh, was that DJ Toon? You know what I mean? From the snap sound. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, it was it was different at that time. It was different for people to uh to follow that trend. The getting when he fit in because that was the hottest thing at that time yeah so people yeah people wanted to wanted to get in when he fit in in that lane at that time because at that time internet just came but people didn't know how to use the internet at that time to bring forth a sound but you notice that around that time that's when little brother came out and that's when night wonder came out that, that wonder came. yeah see that's the thing too hey how to get nice wonder that's the thing too. All the all these dudes are doing the soul samples. Yeah, they all had their own sound. And then when Knife Wonder came in, 
Knife Wonder came in with a real dirty sound. Dirty boom bap sound with some heavy lyrical MCs. Yeah, well, uh, heavy uh, lyrical. Big Pool, Monte. I he mean, was chopping the hell out of them samples. He was chopping the mess out of samples. Then he had Crisis behind him. Yeah. Who came in with the same style, but his drums, he used a lot more breaks. Him and then don't forget Justice League came out too at about the same time. Yup, Justice League. Yeah, they, they came the same, same They time. had more of a live sound. Then you had the yeah. Midi Mafia. They was That's doing right. the same thing, but they did a lot more keys and all that. Yeah. Then you had um you had needles, you know. You had needles and you had um M Phase. Right. Oh, right. right. So all these right. guys that saying they all had the same sound with speeding up the vocals or samples with vocals in it. That's but right. I had their own sound. And you right, right. I, I liked it. I liked it that. I liked the only time I liked it that speed up sound when people was was mimicking it, and I liked it. It was kind of different. Is when the South started taking it to like to the crunk sound. That was that was pretty cool. I liked it that sound. That was oh yeah, cool. yeah yeah that was pretty cool. I I because they did they didn't they didn't overdo it. You know what I mean? And I liked it that when um what was that joint that I heard uh uh, uh I think it was drama. Uh, drama and a cool breeze, one of them uh, uh, ATL rappers was using it in one of their joints, and it was and it was real smooth. And it came with the lyrical slap. And then, and, 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 um, what's the other group from ATL? The uh, uh, uh man, um, the two boys, man, with Sean Paul, um, not the backwood boys, uh, nah, uh, uh, um. Ah, I'm my tongue down. I love them. I love their style, man. Um, I met them in Atlanta. We I freestyle with them boys, man. They they have a nice, smooth, unique, uh, swaggy type wordplay sound. Um, uh, very talented, man. But they but they kept it there. They didn't overdo it. Yeah. That's my point. They didn't overdo it like the other other sound with the soulful sounds and the speed of the speed of the vocals. People just was going crazy. Every mixtape. Was like every mixtape that came out at that time came out with that same sound. I, I worked in a mixtape store at the time, and um, every mixtape had that sound. I couldn't even listen to nothing. I was happy when I heard Little Brother, uh, MF Doom. I was happy when I heard De La Soul when they came out with their album. You know what I mean? I was I was happy to hear that. Common came out. I was happy to hear that. That I was tired of hearing that. What you were saying that speed up. You know they just overdid. They drowned that whole market out. You know what I mean? They drowned it out. Because, yeah, everybody's doing it. Then it got to the point they was all flipping the same samples at one point. Yep, yep. It just, uh, it, and, and, it, and it felt like it, it was the same song that you heard from the other artists. Like if you hear on the radio, they play them three songs back to back. You think it's a long, it's a, it's a long eight minute remix. <laughs> but it's three different artists. And the crazy thing too. I was just talking to somebody not that long ago about this too. Was that sound with the vocals sped up in it? Right. Master Pino was doing that back in the day. Yeah, Master P was Spider doing Brown it. was doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if uh, you uh, even uh. look at, um, if you go watch Body Body, there's a beat that they got in there. They mess it kind of threw me off a little bit. I thought it was a heat maker's joint. Right. Yeah. They on um. Uh oh, uh, what's my man name? It was on uh Steve Murder Joint and um Steve Murder Joint and also the joint that they did with um uh I think it was Mike Jones. They did a joint with uh with Mia X and Mike Jones, I believe it was. That beat. That beat sounds similar like the the, the, the uh, Kanye West joint. Yeah. 
it's, it's similar, it's similar sound. I thought I thought it was a a remix with Kanye. That's what I thought it was when it first came out, and I think it was on one of the masterpiece soundtracks. And one of the, one of the one of the one of the head one of the people one of the the head duels the, not duels but the crews I gotta give it up for when it came to manipulating samples. Right. People be looking at me like I'm crazy, but I don't care what they say. I give credit when it's deserved. Yeah. Three Six Mafia. Yeah. yeah. Heavy sample manipulators, man. Like, yeah, man. Freak sample. They kept it hip hop. They was different with it, but they did keep it hip hop. Yeah. They did that. Energy. Like, I'm listening. I'm listening. I was listening to um, that in the club joint. The, yeah. In the club oh. joint. In yeah, the like, club oh, sample. Yeah, yeah man. I'm like, hold on, yeah. is that that sample? So I'm sitting there trying to dissect it. Like, I don't yeah. know. Is that just, it sound like, hold on. So I had to go back and do right. Come to find out, it was that same. They flipped right. it. That's they right. flipped so much stuff. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the, the 3-6 when they came out, man. When I first heard 3-6, I didn't hear the album. They had a lot of mixtapes that came out. It came out with a lot of uh, 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 mixtapes. They had a joint. They had a mixtape uh, uh, called the... Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, Street was it Street Dungeon or something like that? The mixtape, and, and I remember Project Project Pat. This is right before he went to jail, and that's what really got me on to Three Six Mafia. But then, like a couple months later, the album dropped. No, the video dropped, and then the album dropped. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, them the same dudes. I thought it was different, but it was the same joint off that mix. Cause like I said, I worked in the mixtape stores. So I was getting all the exclusive mixtape. That was the mixtape era. It was real strong. And I was getting a lot of uh, exclusive mixtapes coming in all the time. So we used to listen to them to see what's on them. So when people come in the store, they could ask what you know what's the hottest mixtapes. So we could let them know what's going on. Um, but a lot of those little underground mixtapes that back then, man, had a lot of that sound in there. Like a the, lot of that music in there, man. Like DJ like, Dagwood and DJs like that. Like you know, kept that DJ Rock. Like them boys kept DJ Wood with the other dude named DJ. Uh, 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 Sean Green, uh, all them little small little DJs back then that was underground was bringing a lot of them mixtapes was coming in our store. And I was like, you know, the popular ones were like the DJ Drama, Gangsta Grills and all that, the Southern Smokes and all that. But it was other mixtapes in that in our store that was even just as hard as them mixtapes. Like, you know what I mean? It was it was crazy. Yeah, it was wild because, you know, like like everybody know how it used to be back, like, cause like back in the day, like, like I ain't, I recently did a lot of my backtracking on a lot of the Southern artists, like within the last five years. Right. You know, back in the day, you remember how it used to be like with the, the New York's, if it wasn't from New York, we wasn't listening to it. Yeah. And it was like that. And that, and I kind of realized now going back to the last five years, catching up on all the Southern stuff that I missed out on because yeah. you know how things was. And I'm like, yo, a lot of them dudes is really lyrical. Producers was dope. Right. I'm like, yo, it's, I felt like I've been missed. I felt like I missed out. It was, a, it was a transition because I moved. I moved down south in the 2000s, right when the South was getting put on. And the one thing I didn't understand, they did a lot of them. If you wasn't a hip hop head and really understand, if you were an OG in the game, you know, um, and you were just a, a fan, you didn't understand. New York, a lot of them didn't understand New York music. You had to be. I talked to a lot of OGs that was like, "Yo, you know, I listen to the LLs. I listen to this." It's cool G rap. I listened to the bit that he came. It was only a, a few that I came around that 
that's they doing you know, a lot of the OG stayed in the house, but all the younger people's coming up with that sound, going to the clubs and going to the social clubs and going to the strip clubs. They was creating that sound. The South was really taking it to the next level. But I was me as a hip hop head, I respect what was going on, but I was always digging in the crate still for the original hip hop sound. I, it was you know what I mean? And, and, and me and my little hip hop head that was around. That I stayed around my man Lee L Stress. Shout out my man L Stress. Shout out my man DJ Cool Chuck. Shout out my man DJ Tuck. Uh, you know what I mean? Give my shout out to all my people that's really, really in the community and really bringing that hip hop sound to the forefront. We stayed up to date of what was hot on the underground level. But like I said, you, like you said, when they hear that boom bap sound, they called it old school sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we stayed in that era when the MF Dooms and all that. So anytime it was a concert going on, it was always a whole and raw type of building down south. Where we went to concert, I seen Merge, um, I seen a uh, 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 Feral March. You know what I mean? And then really changed the game is when Feral March, Most Def did a did a song with Nate Dogg. That really took people like, yo, who was these guys? Because Nate Dogg was in the rim of what was that sound, but he yeah. was straight from hip hop and did a hook. So, you know what I mean? And that's what people was like, yo, what's going on? It was, you know, you know what I mean? And it was fire. You know, and they just didn't, they just didn't play it on the radio. They played the one of the part of the video like once or twice, and that was it. You didn't see no more of that. You know what I mean? Because everybody was looking for the club sign, the crunk. You know what I mean? The Nucky Bucks. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The Pastor Troy's. You know what I mean? It was, that was the heavy sound at that time. During that time, did you feel like, the game, the transition wasn't gonna come back. Did you feel that that, that it wasn't gonna turn back around to that sound again, or you just thought you you, you you just was just just determined to keep it hip hop the way you did it? I just, just I just kept it the way I, I just stuck to my guns, doing what I've been doing. Yeah. I mean, I knew it wasn't gonna come back the way it came back. Yeah. It was kind of like how it is now, like how it is now. We never. I ain't see it. I, I mean, I knew it would come back, but I didn't think it was going to come back that quick and right. be that hard, like stick around the way it stuck around. Right. But, I mean, I was like, you know, I'm, like, I'm sticking to do what I'm doing. Like, I, I used to always tell cats that, but, yo, I need you to make this type of beat. Like, I don't do that. I mean, this is what I do. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you want right. that type of beat, go find somebody that make that type of music. But That's right. That's right. I'm going to do, you coming to me for, for a quest beat. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the quest sound. You got your own sound. Yeah. And I one more. I got one more question. Name the top five people you did beats for that did you got that you got a placement in that made your name where it is today. Let's see. Got Big Sugar definitely. That definitely took it took off. Shout uh-huh. out to my man Justin Bailey from Smoke City Records, um, who actually connected us. Okay. Um. Been so much work, man. I'm trying to think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tripe Diesel. Okay. Yeah, right. Tripe, Tripe to God. That um, this joint that I did for him um, that got me some good looks. Yeah. Um, collaborating joints, man. Like um, the New York rapper Harder joint that I had with um, Craig G, Sean Don, um, Pumpkinhead, okay. R.I.P. to Pumpkinhead from Brooklyn Academy. Um, so. who else was on that joint, man? Um, we had Jay Hood. Okay. Um, 
that song right there, when, when that was released, that opened up a lot of ears. It had a lot of people checking for me. Okay. Um. See what else he had. Um. I think uh, who else? Who else? Who else? El Biz, El Biz, gotta be up in there. Yeah, El Biz definitely in there. El Biz, yeah. definitely. And, 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 and El Biz, pretty bully. Yeah, oh yeah, pretty bully. Yeah, man, that's that's when I really knew that you was on your game when I heard that. I'm like, yo, that's the beat, the lyrics, the the whole package is bananas. And she nominated for uh, lyrics of the year. For the 716 music awards you know what i mean so yeah 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 she, we'll she yeah. yeah yeah i had i had i had to yeah we actually got a project in the works might be coming out pretty soon okay yeah that's what that, 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 i can't wait to see that video that you know yeah. for it too so yeah shout out to pretty bully man she definitely doing her thing yeah 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 out there in the below doing the thing man yeah i appreciate you being on the platform here on the underground lounge on even rush network man you know what i'm saying you want to give a couple of shout outs to some of the people that you that you you want to give a shout out and show some love to yeah um shout out to my man azariah me and him you know one half of the group young black and gifted okay um shout out to man jay hustle shout yeah. out to man nc uh, he's another mc to look out for he's coming from uh, uh minnesota yeah, um, yeah. working on his project right now is just about done the kendrick cole yeah. project uh, yeah. Shout out to Curtis Cope. Definitely look out for, definitely check his project out right now. The Vocal Movie, produced by my brother DJ Sight. Okay. okay. So that's out right now. Um, shout out to Big Shug from the Gangstar Foundation. Um, mm. Trying to remember, man. Shout out to Jay Hatch, Michael mm. uh, Status. Okay. Word. Uh, shout out to, ooh, who else, man? Shout out to L Biz. Shout oh, out yeah. to Bully. Yeah. Shout out to um, 2100 Bags. Get another yeah. look out for coming from Detroit. Okay. Um, we actually got a project in the works right now. Um, okay. Shout out to Man Midnight. Shout out to DJ Chris G. Straight from the okay. underground. Oh, man. Chris G, that's my brother. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Chris G. Shout out to DJ Backspin. Shout oh, out yeah. to DJ Ease. Yeah. International Ease. Um, so I'm trying to remember as many people as I possibly can. Yeah, man. You know, you yeah, you yeah, you definitely your bag is definitely your catalog paid. Your bag is big, and you definitely doing. I'm definitely gonna break a bag with you because you know what I'm saying. It's a couple beats that that I got some samples for that that got me. I'm just like, okay, I'm about to get in my lyrical content real quick. Yeah, you keep me open, so I'm definitely gonna do some business with you, man, and all that, man. You continue doing the doing, and before you go, man, we gonna definitely give a a uh, shout out to, you know what I mean, United Market. Anybody wanna that's a producer like my man right here that's definitely doing this thing. You know what I'm saying? Kid called Quest. You know you could definitely get your placements in the industry right there, man. Go ahead and get a membership. They got different levels, and if you get, you can send your beats to any artist that's working on the album. Every artist in the world is on there that's actually in the studio as you speak. You go ahead and submit your music in there, your beats. You might get a placement into the hands of a Benny the Butcher or a Conway or West Side Gun or Action Broxton or a Ghostface Killer or, you know, or J.D. Kiss. The Locks is in the studio, too. So, you know what I mean? Working on their project. You know what I mean? A Buster Rhymes project. 
everybody is on this joint that's looking for production it's called unitedmarket.com no they're not a sponsor but i'm showing love to all my boom bap community producers to get a plug in to get that bag that you never know who is listening or watching no doubt man that's a good platform right there for you big dog you know what i'm saying unitedmarket.com get your placement in boy you know what i mean that's a good little jump off you know i give people a free game on this platform on underground lounge the boom bap uh, uh platform and um and uh, soon it'll be later sooner do you think we will be on 716 live radio uh we're giving y'all the uh back uh uh shows of the underground lounge and uh and we're gonna be putting them on sundays starting in two weeks we'll let y'all know what's going on man but i appreciate you tuning in and everything shout out to my man kid called quest man yeah. time to get on and y'all follow him right now right there on ig kid called quest kid with two d's and make sure you go ahead and follow him inbox him the series requires only and uh definitely hit him up man and he definitely can get your project beefy you know what i mean make that thing tight for you you know what i mean no doubt man kid yeah man i definitely appreciate you man it's you too, too. man you know i got your back you know i got your back all day long man and uh we'll catch y'all on a rebound no doubt